0: Good to see you. Is it good to see me too? Thank you, thank you. That always makes me feel so cherished. The title of what we're studying today is The Return of the Warrior King. Would you say that with me, please? The Return of the. Now, Lord, as we open the holy word of God, we ask that you would touch our hearts. Show us your kindness, and Lord, may we be different after today, because your word, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Now, I got some good news and bad news. This passage is full of good news. Do you like good news? I like good news, but it's also got some bad news in it. Chairman of a deacon board came to his pastor one day and he said to his pastor, we've got some really good news and some really bad news for you. One, the deacons want to send you on an all expense paid trip to the Holy Land. That's good news. Yes, that's good news. The bad news that we want to wait until the next war breaks out. We feel like we can save some money. I thought that was really funny. You guys didn't, didn't think it was funny. Well, how about this one? An associate pastor came to the senior pastor and he said to his, brother, have I got some good news for you? And the senior pastor said, I like good news. Give me the good news. The good news is church attendance has exploded. It has dramatically grown over the last three weeks. That's the good news for you. The bad news is it happened while you were on vacation. (laughs) A devoted wife borrowed her husband's brand new van. and she came to him later, he was sitting in his chair Watching television, and she said, honey, you know how much I love you, right? Yeah, I love you too. Well, I've got some really good news for you, but I've also got some really bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? He said, please give me the good news. And so she said, here's the good news. The good news that your new Vans airbags worked great. Good news. Now, here's the good news about the passage. Revelation 19. The good news is heaven will open and Jesus will return. Is that good news? Yeah, Yeah, that's really, that's the best news ever. That's really good news. Okay, you ready for the bad news? Okay, the bad news is very different. Heaven will open and the king will return. Good news for us, it will be the ultimate bad news for a lot of earth dwellers at that time. And as we have spent about, I think this is week 29, going chapter verse by verse through this book, just just think with me, the average Christian in America, how much do they know about any of this? I would say very Little. And they're going to be caught com- completely unprepared. Now, a couple of admonitions before we get into the text. The scripture is absolutely true, right? Okay, it's absolutely true, but we need to know what Jesus said. And so many Christians I don't know if they don't care or they've never been taught, but they just have no idea what Jesus said and what he cares about. So, as we go through these challenging but wonderful passages, I'm urging you, use your God-given gift of imagination. Every time I read the Bible, I put myself in scenario. Use your God-given imagination to help you see what Jesus is talking about. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't want you to just read words and read words and you don't think about what we read. Now, Jesus went for 12 reasons. How many reasons? 12 reasons in the passage And let's just start reading at verse 11. So you got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Let's see, you got Bibles? If you need a Bible, there's a whole bunch of them right over there. Verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. What color? And he who sat on it was called Faithful and True. I love that. And in righteousness, in what? Righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has the name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Verse 13, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called what? What is his name called? The word of God. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on what color horses? White horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the wine press of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, and on his thigh, he has a name written. Please underline that in your Bible. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven, Come, everyone say come. come, assemble for the great supper of God. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both great and free, slaves and small. And I saw the beast, everyone say beast, and the kings of the earth and their armies. Which assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized. What happened to him? And with him, the false prophet who performed the signs in his, in his presence. By which the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image. And these two were thrown alive. Very important. Into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. Not easy to think about. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now, here's the first reason Jesus wins. He's the one riding on a white horse. Throughout history, the guy on the white horse was the boss. He was the king. He was the major general. And that's his case now. Let me give you a little history. When a Roman legion or multiple legions were in battle, and after they won the battle and vanquished their foes... That major general would come back to Rome after a great victory. Notice what color horse is he riding? And riding a white horse with all of his thousands of troops behind him in procession, they would come to Rome and this is this very street they would march on right there. This street is called the Via Sacra. Everyone say Via Sacra. And so they were proceed in military honor down this broad avenue. That's over 26 centuries old. This is another view of it. Look at that. Right through the heart of Rome. Now this is a former military man and emperor... His name is Marcus Aurelius, and he ruled for almost 20 years. Most of these emperors were thugs and madmen, but he was one of five good emperors. Now see that military horse he is on? That is how he wanted to be remembered. Look at the size of this statue. It's got to be at least... 30 feet tall this is in a museum in the precise place that we're going to talk about in Rome now look at the drawing that is very very old this is where the military procession would end on a hill called the Capitoline hill see it So they would proceed up that hill and the ceremony would be held in front of the temple, a pagan temple of Jupiter. This is a reconstruction. This is a model of what the temple would look like. And so that general would be honored at that spot. Now, Rome, I've never been to, but this is the Capitoline Hill. And this is a plaza where this would take place, right there. Why are you telling me this, Steve? Because we see this pattern in this passage. You see, the first time Jesus came, I want to show you contrast. Contrast is a great way to learn. He, was, he came on a very gentle donkey. But the next time he comes, he is riding a war horse. The first time Jesus came, he came as a sacrificial lamb willing to give his life. But that's not the way he comes the second time. When he comes the second time in the near future, he comes as the fierce lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he came, he offered forgiveness. He offered mercy. He offered relationship. But when we get to chapter 19, all that is off the table. Because he comes in wrath and he's coming to judge the enemies of his father. Are you with me so far? Now the second point in the passage, he is he is called something. He is called faithful. And he is called true. Would you repeat that with me? It's called faithful and true. And it's, again, in contrast to the one that is ruling the earth at the time, Satan, the devil. Because the devil is the father of lies. If you ever lied, or you have a friend that's a liar, or you see liars on television, or in government, or in the military, or in the media... He is the one that invented all lying. He's a father of lies. But contrary, Christ's kingdom is built on truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free if you apply the truth. And he is faithful in all things. Completely faithful. Faithful. And he is dependable all the time. And he always keeps his word. And these are just some of the many verses on the faithfulness of God. Now, let me just keep moving here. I'll come back to that later. Here are some verses that might inspire you. After Moses' life was over in the book of Hebrews, the writer gives a single little sentence about how Moses' life was summed up. And he said this. Say it with me, please. Now, Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant. That meant he did his best to do what God told him to do. He never did it perfectly. But he got up every day saying, my job is to be faithful that inspires me. My job is to be faithful unto the Lord. Paul said this. He said, even when we are faithless and there's times I don't do what I should. There's times I don't follow up on what I say I will do. There's times I make mistakes. But the comforting thing is when I'm faithless, he's always faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny his character. Aren't you glad? Then the writer of Hebrews says this, and this might be a good verse for some of you to memorize and think about and talk to the Lord about from Hebrews. Say it with me, please. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I need to hang on to what I know is true. Even when I don't feel like it. When I don't understand what's going on. When I don't like what's going on. When I I wish my prayers would have turned out the answers a different way. But they didn't turn out that way. I can either feed my doubt. Which will put me in a tailspin. That will get me no place good. Or I can cling To who he is. And what he said. And stand on it. Because he always. Writes the last chapter. And I need to be faithful. Even if it's decades. Not understanding. Even if I don't like. What's going on. Even if I've been trapped. In pain. In isolation. And disappointment. I must hang on. To what he said because he is faithful. Third point from the text is he judges and wages war and the scripture says righteously. Everyone say righteously. Do you know what it means when the scripture says God is righteous? It means he, what he says is right. What he thinks is right. What he does is right and everything He does is right. Now, I'm going to show you some different paintings and artwork that may help you connect with this passage. But I want to say there's no artist, there's no artwork that can capture the beauty and the splendor of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you notice in this artist rendering, he has what color hair? And there are some passages that say in heaven, our savior has white hair. Now, if your hair over the last years has been turning a little light colored, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. So wear it beautifully. And there is one judge. And that judge is not even the father. The scripture tells us the judge is the Lord Jesus Christ because he said all judgment has been handed over to the son. And we just read he judges and wages war righteously. He has a final say. That's why we are a praying church that's why my priority in life is to be a man of prayer, because he has the final say. I don't. Nobody else does. He's the only one who has the final say. Now, th- this is kind of amazing. It's kind of hard to get our eyes uh, accustomed to this, but his eyes are ablaze with fire. The earth has been extremely dark Maybe for years. And when the heavens opened up. The splendor of the Lord Jesus. Exploding. Through the sky. Will take everybody. By deep surprise. And they will see his eyes. Are afire. And I think. well, Why Steve? A couple reasons. His eyes show the determination. To fulfill the father's will. As a 13 year old. Foolishly. I went out for the high school football team where I grew up in South Carolina. And my first day at practice, I was a massive six-footer, and I weighed 128 pounds. I was a beast. On the first day of practice, I knew I was in trouble. Back then, it was old-school football with coaches shaking your Face mask and no water, and running and push ups, and butting head to head. And I got put in a line to butt off with a massive young man who became an All American in high school and earned a full scholarship to play at Georgia. He was big and fast and my coach handed me the football and 10 yards away I was supposed to run through this man. (laughs) And when he blew the whistle this all-American massive football player I saw the fire in his eyes and my knees went like this. And I was like Gumby when he hit me. I kept playing football, but I walked funny for a long time. Another thing is the anger he has over sin and rebellion and those that abuse and hurt. And there's going to be a payday when this great warrior king shows up on planet Earth. And the third reason his eyes are afire is a passion. Everyone's a passion for his people. And the loyalty he has for you. Then we see the fifth thing his head is crowned with many diadems, many crowns. Now, it's, it's kind of hard for me to get my head around this, but it indicates his. Total sovereignty as a ruler. The many crowns show the many victories. He is completely undefeated in contrast to somebody else. We studied the beast that when he comes out of the sea, symbolic of the nations of the earth, he has 10 heads and he has a crown on each head. It is symbolism Because there will be nine rulers that will join his empire in the future. But they're not much kings. And they will be devastated by the true and living king that has many crowns. Number six, he has a name on him that no one can comprehend. I am, you know what, there's a lot of stuff here. I don't understand how it works. I'm not even sure if my interpretation is close. I know the scripture is true. But this is one thing I'm completely on. I don't know what his name is and nobody else does. So I'm good with that. But he does to have two hundred different names in the scripture, and every one of them is is beautiful and tells the story of this warrior king that's coming back. Now I want to encourage you again. If you're the kind of person that has to have the an answer for everything, you're gonna be disappointed. If you don't want to know why everything happened and why that terrible thing came about and why this was, this, this cyclone came and destroyed these people and while that child died and while that church fell apart, if you have to have the answer to everything, you're going to be disappointed and fall into a ongoing cycle of doubt. Over all these years, I do the best with living the scriptures and hanging on to the promises. But when things don't work out, I just have to say, Lord, you know best. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to rest. Everyone say rest. You just got to rest at times. Because you can't figure some of this stuff out now. Now, Moses was told to write this down to help the children of Israel and, frankly, to help us. I shared it with you several weeks ago, but it's a great verse for you to remember. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Everyone say the reference, please. Deuteronomy 29, 29. And read it out loud, please. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. I need to focus on what he has told me, not be mad about what he hasn't told me. Point number seven. This is kind of strange. My little wife of 42 years, she's not here, so I can graciously say things. She does not like any stain on her sweater. She does not like any butter or mustard or gravy that would hit her dress or her pants. I'm a guy. I don't care. The more I got on me, the more I enjoyed it. But she doesn't like it. She has to get up and go get a cloth and, you know, get it off. And, oh, I can't go tonight. Why? Because I got a spot on me. Well, our Savior not only has a spot. He's covered. His majestic, beautiful robe is dipped. Everyone say dipped. And the root word for that word means that it has been immersed, like you see in this drawing, where a woman, maybe in India or Pakistan, if they're dyeing white linen, they will put it in water and add red dye. And they will use a plunger and go back and back and forth until the red has completely permeated every fiber of that cloth. And that's called baptizo, which pictures water baptism. Or it also means splattered. Now, I don't know. I, there's two things it could be. One is It could be Christ's own blood when he shows up. Which is the most valuable treasure in all the universe, the blood of Christ that redeemed you. Or, or, or it could be the blood of his enemies. That's a very different deal. The scripture points in some of the minor prophets that when Jesus comes back, he's actually going to come back to Edom or Jordan. And he's going to have a grand procession that's going to march toward Jerusalem. And the scripture says, slaying his enemies as he goes. Now, I wrestled in high school. I've done a little boxing, a little martial arts. Uh, My wife forces me to watch this bloody UFC stuff. I hate to do it, but I got to obey her. I kind of like all that stuff. You can look at my nose, how crooked my nose is because of the blessings people have given me. But here's the scenario. Let's say it's a rough part of town and there's an alleyway and a big tough guy walks down the alleyway and he does not know that there are 10 other bad men in the alleyway that want to rob him and beat him and maybe take his life. And I'm observing across the street. I might even say, don't you go in there? Don't you go in there? Instead, I hear thud, punch, breakage, People yelling, ah, oh, no, please don't. In about three minutes, the big man comes back down the alleyway. All the other 10 are down, and he is covered in their blood. I think I would walk away from the big guy covered in blood. So when Christ comes, they're going to know the jig is up. Number eight is his name, which is the word of God. Say it with me, please, the word of God. What do you mean the word of God? means he is the most perfect communication to you what the father is like. How has the father communicated to you over your lifetime? That he loves you and cares for you. Jesus said something his last night on earth. He said this. He said, Thomas said, well, Jesus, show us the Father. Just show us the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, you know what? You've been with me three years. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what God is like because you know what I'm like. You know what the Father cares about because you know what I care about. You know What upsets the Father because you know what upsets me. And you know what the Father's purposes are because you know what my purposes are. And the Father is written to you. That's the beauty of this book. This book is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. John 1 verse 18 says there's no man on the planet that has ever seen the face of God. Moses saw his back because no man can see the face of God as a mortal and live. But he says the only begotten one has explained him. And the father has spoken to you. He has spoken to you. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit will speak to you every single day. Say it with me, please. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What's right, what's wrong, and there's a settling up day. But he will guide you into all truth. How could he guide you if you don't listen? And he says, whatever he hears, he will tell you. See, the Father has physically sent Jesus to you. Jesus Christ is one of the most carefully documented people in history. Documented not by his friends, but by his enemies. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten, full of grace and full of truth. And D, the Father will communicate every day to you. My greatest need is to listen to Him. I know my sheep, they know my voice. They hear my voice and they follow me. Number nine, the armies of heaven. I'd never seen that as being plural. What do you mean, the armies? The Marines, the Army, the Navy of Heaven, the ranks of angelic warriors, mobilized for this day. All clothed in beautiful, brilliant, white linen are all riding behind him on what color horses? Well, how many horses are there? Maybe a billion of these riders The scripture calls armies the host. Jesus is a captain of the host of the Lord. These, now I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to take a guess. They're made up of angelic warriors. They're made up of Old Testament believers. They're made up of the church, which is you and me. And they're made up of the tribulation saints. Maybe a billion people that will come to Christ during the tribulation. And their bright clothing shows they've been forgiven. See, when you receive Christ, in regard to salvation, your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. And your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, well, then, Pastor, why do I have to ask forgiveness? Because, like in any relationship, if I'm rude to my wife, I need to talk to her. And I never say, Lord, just forgive me my sins. If I watch something on TV, I should not have watched. I say, Lord, forgive me last night. I shouldn't have watched that. And you told me not to. And I did it anyway. And not only forgiven, but cleansed. I'm no longer that person. I'm a child of the living God. And his children are given the privilege of joining their king, their warrior king, in the greatest victory. Of all time, and that's pretty exciting. Now, I'm just asking a question here. How many of you ever wanted a horse, but you didn't get to have a horse? Hold your little wounded hands up. I never got a horsey. I didn't get a pony, a donkey. I barely got a poodle. Hold your hand up. Come on. You all wanted a horse? This is Kentucky! This is Horse capital of the world. You, if you don't want a horse here, you, psh. <laughs> I grew up horses. My dad raised and bred Tennessee walking horses. Those ones that throw their legs out there. He said, when I ride a horse, I want to ride on the Cadillac of horse flesh. And that was Tennessee walking horses. And you say, well, what color horse can I have? Now this is a beautiful blue roan horse. Beautiful. Isn't that pretty? I like that. This is a beautiful black horse. My dad loved black horses. He bled black mares to black stallions and he got black colts. And you know what? My dad, simple boy, he would name his horses Blackie. I said, dad, we already got 10 Blackies. Why don't have to worry about your name? Blackie E1, one, Blackie 15, Blackie 12. I was dating the lovely Sue Dorsey and I was impressing her with horsemanship and I took her for a horse ride at our farm and we had a great afternoon riding horses and we were coming back into the stable. It was a narrow door and I walked through leading my gilding. We were gonna get her saddle off, bridle off, everything, brush them down. And so I'm walking my horse and she's riding. Guess what the horse's name was? Blackie bringing the black mare. Blackie behind. And my wife stopped. Instead I kept walking. And so Blackie just kept walking. And Blackie put her hoof about like that. She weighed about 1,200 pounds. Right on my little wife's right foot. Her little tennis shoe. And my wife then said the worst thing you can say to a horse. Whoa. So black, it just stood right there on her foot.
1: Oh, 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 oh.
0: True story. I saved her life. I love Appaloosas. I love Appaloosas, my favorite color horse. This is a what color? This is a dun. dun. This is a dun colored horse. This is a sorrel horse. So I want to ask you a trick question. You get your own horse. Even if you don't like horses, you get your own horse in heaven. What color horse do you think you're going to get? Just out of curiosity, what color? You're going to get a white horse. Well, I don't want a white horse. I want a red horse. I want a blue horse. I want a yellow horse. You're going to get a white horse because there's a billion of them waiting on you. And that's what you're going to get. Uh, it's kind of like Henry Ford when he was making these Model Ts and people ask him, I want a different color. I want a red. I want a blue. I want a purple. He said, great. You can have any color you want as long as it's black. And you can have any horse you want as long as it's white. As if Jesus is going to pay for it, it will be a white horse or you won't ride in that parade. So we get back to the passage. So from his mouth comes a sharp sword. Is it really a sword, pastor? I think it's greater than a sword. A force will come out of the king's mouth that will strike down millions of troops, submarines, helicopters, battalions of tanks, and it will be like their battery just froze. It'll be something like dead. It's the same way he created the world of the universe. Colossians says he's the one that did it. And these rebels will die with a single word from his mouth. Just like Jesus said to a dark universe, let there be light and boom. Just like he said in the synagogue to the man with the withered arm. Stretch out your hand. And I want to say you have power in your words too. Speak to darkness and tell it to leave your house and your head. Speak healing to your body. Speak blessing over your family and over yourself because there is creative power in words. He said, Lazarus, what? Come forth. Now, some of you that play piano or sing in choirs, this was a very famous hymn written by this man. What's his name? Martin Luther, a mighty fortress is our God. And there's one beautiful little line. A little word shall fell him. Number 11, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. What's that about? A king has a scepter in his hand. Esther could not approach the king, her own husband, unless he held the scepter of rule out. The scepter means he carries all authority in heaven and on earth. This this one does. He said in Matthew 28, all authority has been been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Twelve. He treads the wine press of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, just like in Israel during the times grapes were trod in a wine press. Our Savior will stamp out all vestige of evil, of rebellion, very quickly. And the Antichrist loses. Is that a good thing? For four reasons. Why will Antichrist lose? For four reasons. One, because an angel is going to put out a clarion call for the birds of prey to show up over the battlefields of Syria, over the battlefields of Jordan, over the battlefields of Israel. And they will feed on the corpses the slain. Now a couple interesting things I never connected these. During the millennium, which is after Jesus comes back he's going to set up a thousand year reign and we'll talk about that a little bit further and he will rule from Jerusalem rebuilt Jerusalem and Ezekiel gives us a little piece of the puzzle. That it will take seven months to bury the bones of the enemies of Christ. It will take seven long months. Here's another wonderful thing science tells us over 500 million birds migrate through the tiny corridor over the promised land, because you have Europe, you have Asia, you have Africa, and all these millions of birds fly right over Israel. Israelis call it the eighth wonder of the world because you have the Mediterranean to the east, you have the desert to the west, And they are being set up for this. Number two, the beast will be hunted down with the false prophet. Just like who is this guy? Pablo Escobar was hunted down. John Dillinger was hunted down. Murdering Bonnie and Clyde were hunted down. And these two criminals will be hunted down by the SWAT teams of heaven. And they are thrown immediately into a place I do not like to talk about. It is called the Lake of Fire. Jesus talks about it. And I never thought about this either. They are probably the first two inhabitants of this place of devastation and torture. You say, well, Steve, what about all the others that have died and rejected Christ? It's my understanding they are in a temporary place called Hades. At the end of the millennium, Hades will be emptied, And those that have rejected salvation in Christ will be also sentenced to the lake of fire. Number three, the rest of the rebels were slain. Worship team, would you guys come? With the sword that came from the mouth of the mighty king. So you say, Pastor, why does Jesus win? I'll tell you. The answer to the question why is written on his robe across his breastplate and possibly down the armor on his thigh. And that inscription does not say Napoleon Bonaparte. That inscription does not say Julius Caesar. They consider themselves mighty kings and conquerors. That inscription does not say Genghis Khan. That inscription does not even say Douglas MacArthur. Do you know what the inscription says? It says Jesus Christ. This is why he wins. Say it with me. He is the king of and he is the Lord. One more time. He is the king of and he is the Lord of all lords. Is that resolute in your heart? Is that the most important thing in your life? Your allegiance to the King. Your surrender to the mighty Lord. When we take the Lord's table together, this is not a religious deal. It is a reaffirmation of our allegiance to Christ the King. To him being our Lord. Before we take the Lord's table, I just I just want to always offer every week and every day of my life the opportunity for people to be saved, to give their heart to Jesus. And maybe you're watching online from Canada or Germany or South Africa or the Philippines or here in Kentucky. If you can't say Jesus is your King and your Lord and you're ready to surrender, pray with me now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Savior, my Lord. I give you my life today. Forgive me of every sin and clean me up and make me your child because today I promise to spend my life serving you as you give me strength in Jesus name with the Lord's table in your hand would you peel off the top where the bread is now if Jesus is not your king and your Lord don't do this this is for his family I'm not saying you got to be perfect but if you've stopped running and you've stopped you started loving take the Lord's table take the bread in your hand the body of our Lord and Savior broken for me Lord we take it as an act of our consecration And likewise, we lift up the cup, the blood of the covenant shed for forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. During the next moments of worship, the altar is open. There's people that will pray with you.
2: just stand with us as we worship our Lord and Savior. And we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of your mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus, and we cry holy, 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 and we cry holy, 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 and we cry holy. that again. We cry holy. And we cry holy, holy, holy. And we cry holy, holy, holy. And we cry holy, 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 holy. is the Lamb.
0: Savior, Jesus Christ, help us to be faithful and true to you every day of our life until the day you take us home or the day you split the skies, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Serve him well, pick up your children, there's people that will pray with you on both sides. Amen.
1: We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. You know, if you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, would you please reach out to us? We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week. God bless.